Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. This week's guest is Reed Buchanan. Reed is a professional runner for ON and he trains in Mammoth Lakes, California. In this episode, we talked about why Reed loves his training environment and how being up in the mountains has a positive impact on his training and focus. We also talked about his progression in college and into a pro runner, why and how he's taken a calculated and long-term oriented approach, and how he structures his training. Reed is laser-focused and knows what goes into achieving excellence, and he shared a lot of great takeaways in this conversation that we had right before the Boulder Boulder this past spring. I hope you enjoy. Hello again. I'm here in Boulder, Colorado with Reed Buchanan, who is racing the Boulder Boulder uh, on Memorial Day. Uh, Reed, thanks for uh, thanks for joining in today. Yeah, it's good to be here. Excited. Of course. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What uh, what what got you to where you are today? I guess that's a it's a long answer, but um, how about a a, a short um, you know who who is Reed? I am a professional runner, uh, sponsored by Sketchers Performance currently, and I live in Mammoth Lakes, California. Um, the Mammoth Track Club is a nonprofit organization there that also helps support um, and is led by my coach Andrew Castor and his wife Dina Castor. Kind of helps out as well. Awesome. Uh, what's it like living out in Mammoth Lakes? Uh, we were talking before. It's about uh, you were saying eight thousand, seven, eight thousand feet. Um, what's it like living uh, all the way up there? It's um, you know it's great now. It's definitely an adjustment if you're new to altitude, which I was. I was born in Kansas, no altitude there. Um, so I think my my first year is uh, you really have to learn how to deal with your breathing mm-hmm. in a different way as far as training goes. Um, as far as other things in life, it, it's just gorgeous. I think it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. Nice. Do you think that puts you at an advantage for uh, for the race tomorrow, which is at about 5,200 feet? Uh, I hope so. Um, you know, we, weather permitting, we sometimes go down to that elevation for workouts, mm-hmm. and it always feels great. So I'm hoping that happens here. Yep. Cool. Um, and have you run Boulder Boulder before? I have not. Cool. Um, you said you lived, you spent a year, uh, living out here. What was, uh, what was it like living in, in Boulder? Oh, it was awesome. I did that, uh, summer, uh, before my last year of college, I was working with a startup called stride. Who's actually a full company. Now they're doing great things. Um, so it was fun. I, you know, what made me want to do this race in the first place was being able to watch it in the stadium back in 2015 i was mm-hmm. like man this is crazy yeah i i could run a million track races and it'll never be this loud right. so it's kind of always in my head but i also knew i need to live at altitude for a while before i can be competitive right. here 
So for context, the race, um, the first six miles of the 10K happens in the neighborhood of, of Boulder, and then you do the final lap uh, coming into Folsom Field. And it's at, at the time that, so it starts at 6.55, uh, pros go off at 11.15, 11.30, and by the time, you know, 11.30 rolls around, it's, you know, people are... People have had a few beers. They're you know right. The if you, you do the back. race, you 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 go into the stadium and you fill the seats. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh it's super fun, um, and it's one of those races where you can watch the whole thing and then see it finish in you know thirty minutes, plus or plus or minus a few. So um, well, cool. So what's what's been your journey as a pro athlete? Um, one of the questions that that someone uh, someone wrote in was, um, they were wondering. When you first started as a pro, did you have any? Did you have any part-time jobs? I did not. Um, so I graduated in 2016 from the University of Portland, spring, um, and I, I I knew I wasn't done. I really wanted to continue doing this, but I'm also very pragmatic, and so I looked, or you know, I kind of understood what I needed to be successful. And one thing was to not go into debt, and so I was right. very lucky that the Mammoth Track Club took me on because. Um, when I joined the current situation was that they had housing for you. They had gym for you, like gym membership. Um, they had massage stipends and I thought about it. And I was like, man, what else do I need? Right. Cause everybody else, they, 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 they want to look at the dollar amount from a shoe sponsor, right. but then they forget how expensive it is stuff. to live because you've been living probably rent, you know, it depends on your scholarship. You've been not having to worry about that right. sort of thing in college. Um, but I, I knew, you know, if, if I get a, I think it's like standard that some of the best athletes get like 30,000, which is not very much, right. but like, they're like, Oh, that's the market. But I'm like, well, that's not very good if right. I have to pay for rent. So, um, I think just that situation itself has allowed me to get to where I am now the right way in a way. Cool. So. What's it, what's it like training with and around the casters? Uh, they're just amazing humans in general. Um, you know, I, when I came in, I told Andrew that, uh, if he could be patient with me and we do things slowly so I don't get injured, I will be good, but not for like three years. Mm -hmm. And to have a coach to put his ego aside and stick with me through a very, rough first year where yeah. I wasn't even running at a, a semi-professional level. Like I, I just wasn't any good at mm -hmm. all. Um, you know, it shows a lot about him and how he cares about me first and then my running. Cool. The, the long-term approach is, is interesting. Um, I have a lot of friends or, or people I know that, you know, they want to BQ or they want to OTQ or they want to run a PR or something and they want to do it this year. Um, versus two, three, four, five, six, ten 10 years out. Um, the last, the last guest I had on the podcast decided when she was 21 that she wanted to run Boston and she was running 10 minute miles at the time. And, you know, about 10 years later, she, she got to do that. Um, how do you, how do you take that as a pro and, and really not, not chase those short term gains and and i guess maybe as a pro it's it's a different perspective but what would you suggest for those those of us that are looking at 
achieving something great in the future and they're they're nowhere close to it now how do you how do you sort of like get your put your ego aside is a good way as you described it yeah it, it i i just it's all about the one percent it really yeah. is and um with this with anything it's if you take a high risk you could get a high reward but right. you could also lose a lot right and i think that's pretty common in running with training and people will say okay if i just train super super hard that's a high risk right then i might get that race um but more often than not i don't think that's going to happen and so i'd never thought it was worth it from just anything i was doing to take that risk when i know for sure the other way works like i can guarantee you that other way will work have you always been that way no i learned the hard way (laughs) Through injuries and, and things like that? Yeah. So my the first university I went to out of high school, um, that, that program was sort of that way where it's like train super, super hard. Um, you know, this is you as a high school runner. You, you kind of like skipped everything right. and tried to be NCAA champion every year. And uh, – Obviously, that didn't work, so I left. Right. And then I went to uh, Rob Connor, the University of Portland, and his whole philosophy was like, listen, we're going to train steady, and we're going to avoid racing a lot, mm-hmm. and you're just going to try and start um, at one point and get there with the most smooth line and take the most amount of time and hopefully end at the point where you want to be. So the goal is is growth over the four-year period versus two years or one year. Right. So how do you how do you um, uh, how do you make how does a how does a college coach make that work when there's that constant churn of you know every four years it's a new athlete or every year it's a new athlete but they only have four years. I think uh, a lot of coaches make mistakes, right? And they just learn from them. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're a veteran coach, you have an idea of what works and. Well, you have a better idea of what not works, right? right? And so you can take these kids and say, listen, this is the program. You either like it or you go somewhere else. That's okay. So one of the things that people seem to enjoy with this podcast is the the look at um, like the life of a pro or the life of an elite athlete. Um, Talk to me about like what does a week look like for you starting, you know, starting on Monday, maybe not like a day by day breakdown, but. When are you doing your workouts? How many workouts a week are you doing? And then what is the what does the weekend look like? So I'm um, a huge believer in that, like matching workouts with race days. And I started to notice that I race a lot on Thursdays and I mm-hmm. race a lot on Sundays. So you, you go to any college program and everyone's like, Tuesday, Friday, got to yeah. work out. Sunday, you got to do a long run. Yeah. Anything else is just blasphemy like you cannot do that yeah and then i thought to myself i'm like well why wouldn't i match workout days right. with race days it allows you to one treat a race as a workout and kind of get back into the cycle quicker mm-hmm. and then two you're not having to change something the week of um, when you're already in this routine so you know those two days are my workout days um i'll do a long run on a tuesday and then the rest is just filled with easy running. I run twice a day, five times a week. Um, on Fridays, I'll do a medium long run. So probably about 30 minutes shorter than whatever my long run is that week. 
And yeah, I, I really primed my environment to live this lifestyle. And so it's just a lot of doing the same thing over and over and over again. So you're a creature of habit? Yeah, I, I, I believe that the most successful people are creatures of habit. Like yeah. I think having a positive habit is how you get really good at one thing. So is your race morning very similar to workout morning? It's exactly the it's same. Exactly the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, you know, people talk about routines. People talk about, um, you know, if you, if you do something totally new on, on race morning or you do something that you only do on race mornings, you're, you might be setting yourself up for, for, you know, variables that you're not expecting. Yeah, that's definitely true. So, um, what is, what does that routine look like for you in the morning? Well, um, I guess it depends on the time of race. Uh, if it was a morning race, I would just wake up and you know get in usually i have oatmeal um i'll have like a little bit of coffee but i don't like to have that much coffee on race day i guess compared to normal because i'll actually i like to like right before the race starts or right before right when i finish my warm-up i'll have a little bit of a caffeine pill mm-hmm. it kind of like slowly goes through my system versus like i feel like coffee a just jolt. goes straight to yeah. my dome and i'm all jittery amped up yeah so I like that better. Um, and yeah, I like oats. Um, and basically I just, I just kind of go through my warm up an hour before and I keep everything really relaxed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everyone has like all these crazy drills and things they have to do. And usually when I finish my warm up, I'm like, I could probably roll right into this, Yeah. but you know, just to keep my mind kind of occupied, I'll just do like basic drills. But if you watch me, you'll notice that I also stand around a lot and just kind of like wiggle my hips. Plenty of time to move in the, you know, after the gun goes off, right? Yeah. It's just, I think if your warm up becomes the most important thing, you're probably not doing it right. I think that's a good point. How'd you get into running? Well, um, I, I was big on baseball in the spring growing up and then I just kind of got burned out of it. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing track, but I was jumping in high school. So I started doing track in high school and I think, um, I've always just kind of liked, uh, the hard work ethic of distance running, Mm -hmm. but it started with like the 400. I was like, you know, there's these sprinter guys who I know are 40 times faster than right. me, but they can't run a 400 because I feel like that's more in your head. Yeah. You know, can you give all out for that long? And then from there, it moved to the 800 by the time I was a sophomore. And then um, I kind of became a distance runner after running the 800. Sorry, like my junior year of high school. Did you like the 800? I love the 800. Yeah. I still wish I could run the 800. What's your favorite distance? Right now, it's probably the 5K. And what's cool about that is that I feel like the 5K is similar to how the 800 was in high school. Yeah, in terms of like three different... You're just riding the line the entire time, right? And like, it's the people that can ride it for the longest that are most successful. You know, you'll see like a lot of people have these strategies of hanging back, but, um, and then like, you know, trying to run a faster last lap, but Mm -hmm. the best 800 are just... From the get go, the best. I mean, look at Radisha. He ran pretty much like two fifty splits, yeah, fifty second splits in a row. What do you think it is about that? Like, like you said, riding the line of of you can't. You're on that razor's edge. You can't push too much, but you you have to you have to push. You have to make it hurt. 
how do you how do you get there and and how do you train that mental that mental muscle i think think you just got to practice um admittedly i was very bad at the 5k in college because i couldn't do that i would always get to like 3k and be like this is too hard (laughs) i'm running too fast and then i'll you know have like a uh, yeah i'll have a pity party and blow up and then have like a last fast lap and so i think you just got to kind of like one you have to you have to get in really good shape to be able to handle that mentally Mm -hmm. and that requires you know day-by-day training um, which is also going to train yourself mentally to get there and i think training altitude is a good way to do it but yeah it's just practice like just selling out and saying like you can't finish even though there's still two thousand meters left do you do a lot of reading around mental training or, or anything like that? Uh, I read a lot of like sort of self-help books. Mm-hmm. Like the one I'm reading now is called Atomic Habits. Uh, so, you know, as I've mentioned a lot of things about habits. Um, and I think in terms of running, that book that Alex Hutchison did, Endure, yep, Endure. talks about how the mental block that you put yourself um, or give yourself is always less than what your body's capable. Yep. And I think that like really opened up for me because it's so true. Yeah, like your you, brain your brain says no before you're, you're right. physiologically not so able to. So you need to. to tell your brain no. Right. Saying, you know, I can't do this. And I think if you can learn to do that multiple times, it's not going to happen your first time. Right. But if you can keep, you know, banging your head against the wall and doing that, you're going to end up overcoming that at some point. Definitely. I, I was reading the chapter about that last spring as I was getting ready to do a, a mile time trial and the it was it was just like unlocking like a next level of capacity and it's really cool that like you can you can like I said like train your brain to get more out of your physical ability which yeah. is super cool and and that's the way it should be right because yeah. you know I feel like some people can physically do a lot but when it comes to the race if you can't allow that to happen mentally Mm -hmm. you know you're never going to see the results you want definitely what is the rest of uh what does the rest of the year look like for you um you know it's kind of undecided right now i have a usa mark in the 10k but i don't have the world time so we're trying to figure out a way to get that uh race set up if anyone listening to this wants to pace me for a 10k I'll pay you something good. <laughs> um, what's the What's the time? Time is twenty seven forty. I ran, I think twenty seven fifty eight off like a very high negative split mm-hmm. in Peyton Jordan. Um, so it's kind of pointless to me to go to the national championships without the world standard because mm-hmm. no matter how well you do there, you can't go to the next level. How do you feel about those changes that that just came out? I think they're fine. Yeah, I I mean. It's just all about getting the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's all, you know, for someone to like think that they're a better runner because they have a better PR is not necessarily true. They just had a better opportunity. It's an interesting point. It's, um, you have to show up on the day and just, and right. get it done. I, but you, you have to get to the day first right. and like, I, I've never been in a 27, 30 race. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's impossible. I mean, I, I, I know it's not. So if, you know, I think if we start making 13, 13 and 27, 28, the focus, 
you know, for pacing and our domestic opportunities, then the time's going to get ran. You know, people haven't been running it because they didn't have to. You know, why would you run that time when you can run a slower time and get the same result? Right. Yeah. Um, what do you like about the, about the 10 K we're here for, we're here for a 10 K. What do you like about that distance? Um, I like that it's not that long yet. Uh, you know, if you think of like in terms of a half marathon or marathon, um, but you also, you don't have to have, I I feel like you don't have to have as much, um, speed as you might in the five Mm -hmm. to like, I feel like that's kind of where my weakness lies in the 5k i don't have that much natural um turnover turnover to be able to run the last lap in like a a 50 or something and but you've run a quick 5k yeah but i think that's more off of uh like strength training yeah then so i feel like you know if it's an honest 10k a lot of those guys with natural speed gets kind of zapped out by Mm -hmm. the end um, so you mentioned the, the strength training, do you mean like hills and, and things like that or, or actual strength I mean, training? I just mean miles. Yeah. Like, you know, being at altitude, putting in consistency, consistent, year over year. consistent miles over the years and you just get really strong aerobically mm-hmm. and most races are already like majority aerobic. Right. You know, even the mile is, they say is like majority mm-hmm. of it's aerobic. So you think of a 10 K you know, the, long, the more aerobic the race is going to be, it's going to be in my favor. Definitely. How do you feel about balance? Well, I, you're talking about balance of a lifestyle, right? Yeah. Um, I believe you should do things that help you, uh, mentally stay healthy, mm-hmm. but I don't think that necessarily has, like for me, I'm, I'm all into running because that's what I want to be doing. Right. But it, if I ever had any sort of inkling to do something else while trying to do this, I think I would do it and be okay with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's all about you and your own journey and your own mental health. And if you want to be all in on something, I think that's okay. Yeah. I, so I ask that question often, uh, on, on this podcast and people fall into one of two camps and I think they're both really interesting. One is exactly what you said, like pick a few things and go all in. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, if you're fulfilled and satisfied in, you know, relationships and your family and you're, you're running and, and those are the things that matter, you've had a good day. And then there's the other side of the coin where it's like Ben Rosario on the podcast said, um, if running is, is your only thing, I feel bad for you. And, and I think that, that it was he was getting to that first point, but it was just an interesting perspective from, from someone who coaches a lot of elite level athletes. And many of those athletes like have extra, they're in school, they're, you know, they, they're part of a company or, you know, something, but I think both opinions are totally valid. And it's just like, if it works for you, cool. Yeah. I think, I think he is probably, um, Referring to you losing your identity. Right. Uh, so I think if you're comfortable with who you are mm-hmm. and you're not just a runner, like right. if that's all you are, right. that, that's problematic. That's bad. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what he was referring to. Yeah. And, that, and that's like what happens if you get injured. Yeah. 
and I guess I was thinking more of my time spent. Right. And they're, you know, it's heavily running. Right. But I don't consider myself just a runner. Right. You know, I have very different relationships um, that make me different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I just consider that where my time's going right now. Right. Where do you see yourself in the next couple of years? Man, if I'm lucky, I hope to just keep doing this. Nice. You know, I I feel fortunate to have learned how to do it correctly early enough. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think I'm that old. Everyone gets kind of weird with running in age. I don't really think you can equate age with running years. So when I start running when I'm 16 and I'm only doing it for two months in the fall, two months in the right. spring, I don't consider myself a runner then, right? And then you think of like even my first three years of college, I wasn't able to string together really that many months. So if you look at a kid who's 21, but they started running, you know, 50 miles a week at 16, Mm -hmm. they're probably the same. Well, yeah, the same age as me as far as running goes. You know, I think you have to consider things like that. And, you know, as long as you're um, taking care of your body, taking proper breaks and things like that, eating properly, uh, getting enough sleep. I don't think there is a cap, um, truly, at, at least like with this day and age, mm-hmm. um, how we're getting, always getting smarter with how to feel and stay younger. Yeah. What are some of the things you do around recovery and, and maximizing from a, a non-running standpoint? Uh, sleep is number one. You, mm-hmm. Like you got to sleep. How many hours a night do you sleep? Um, usually eight to nine. And then I lay down for about an hour nice. of good sleep in the afternoons. And I, and I love looking at, um, my whoop like strap. It's a sleep monitor. And I was able to go back and look like for the last two months, I didn't miss a nap. Wow. And I'm like, that's sweet because <laughs> I felt it in training. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's so important. I can't, you can do all these gimmick recovery yep. things. Every single one it's is not, a gimmick it's compared not sexy. to sleep. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Like, you just putting your phone away, put everything else, shut your blinds, and go to sleep. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's 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 amazing what that can do. I that was like the biggest change I've, or one of the big changes I made in the last year. Like sleeping in, getting getting like eight and a half hours on average every night, and like lowers your injury risk your testosterone improves your mood improves your readiness to train improves through this everything yeah it's it's the best um and it's easy yeah i mean (laughs) you're supposed to be doing this (laughs) you do it every day every night um do you have like a a sleep routine to to get into that space where you're ready to sleep how do you how do you go from being amped up from you know your day's run or whatever and and then being able to nap i feel like a lot of people struggle with like you lay down and you just, you know, stare at the ceiling for, for 45 minutes. Yeah. I, I kind of have my, my hour rule and it's that, you know, when I'm planning to go to sleep about an hour before I'll leave my phone upstairs mm-hmm. and then I'll start reading. And usually I fall asleep before that yeah. hour even is up. But for me, once I lay down in bed and start reading, for some reason it kind of triggers this, this it's time to it's time to sleep. Yeah. I get really groggy, and depending on how boring the book is, could fall asleep like within thirty minutes. So so sleep experts say that that um, having that routine is is huge, and like just the um, 
you know, saving your, your bedroom for, for sleeping and for sex, as they say, like, that's all you should do in there. And so when you go into your room, like you're prepared, like, okay, I'm going to sleep. I agree. hundred percent. Um, what are some of the things you wish you knew as a college athlete, uh, that you, that you've, you know, failed and learned from, uh, over the last couple of years? Oh man, I you know I think back to my time at Kansas, and I just I wish I was more of a college student then. Mm-hmm. Like it just, I think I put a lot of weight into um, running that shouldn't have been there, and you know I I I wanted to be so successful that it was detrimental, and I think like if I would have just kind of relaxed and you know gone with the flow yeah. and and not thought NCAA champion my freshman year. And why not I just say, Hey, I'm going to see it just if I can be, you know, within the top five on the team mm-hmm. and take that steady approach. I, I, I have no idea where I'd be at right now. Do you think that, 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 um, that idea has sort of played into your, your approach where like, I'm not going to be good this year as a pro, I'm going to be good in three years. Oh, for sure. Mentioned. Yeah, for sure. That is that where that came from? You think? Yeah. And, you know, from my, um, second college coach, you know, I, I came into that program as a transfer and I'm all, you know, excited to make a difference. And he's like, hold up, we're just, we're just going to kind of take things slow. Yeah. He's like, you know, you might not even make the team this year. And, and he's like, you know, if anything, I think it'd be great if you could be good your second year here, mm-hmm. cause I only had two years. And so he's like, why don't you, why don't we just kind of take a steady approach? I'm like, what are we going to do with all that time in between? He's like, we're just going to train. Just run. Yeah. yeah. It's going to run. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Like what happens when you just stack month after month after month of, of healthy, consistent training? Yeah. And it's not even hard training. Like right. you don't have to train that hard right. for that to work. You just have to train consistently yeah. hard. Yeah. That's the approach that my coach takes. It's, it's conservative. And, and when you're, you know, when you see a big workout on the training program, like, you know that that's on there for a reason, but for the most part, it's increasing miles and just doing it over over the long haul. Yeah, and it's uh, never sacrificing the now for the later. Yes. You know, if you get up that morning and something's kind of bugging you, there's no reason to force a workout. Like, it's it's okay. See, that's another thing I would like to tell myself. Yeah. It's okay to miss this workout. It's okay to miss this run. You know, like, I would do whatever it took to get in those splits that day. And and this is coming from a pro athlete. And amateurs have that problem, I would guess, just as much. And and you know, if Reed as a as a pro is saying, skip your workout, it's okay. It, it truly is. <laughs> I mean you can't obviously you can't like not work out, but right. you know, in the long run, it's really not important right you know you your greatest performances are going to come from multiple workouts not just one yeah the i had a coach that described the the process of of achieving a goal or building fitness as you know putting bricks into a wall building a house and each individual brick is a small piece and you can miss one or two and the house is still going to stand but you have to lay brick after brick after brick and it doesn't all happen at once. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, what do you think that, um, the average runner doesn't know about the life of a pro athlete that, that would surprise them? Um, 
I think they think that we have like a lot of free time, but for me, if you're kind of like doing everything you can to be the best you can that day, mm-hmm. um, you know, you don't really have that much time. You're, you know, you're not trying to run from the house on pavement because you can run and drive somewhere right. and run somewhere that's a uh, soft surface and maybe more hills and, you know, to get stronger that day. And then, you know, afterwards you can do some stretching and some mobility work to kind of, um, reduce the effects of the run. And then after that, if you're, you know, if you're really trying to do it well, you're going to make your own meals. You're going to start from scratch with everything and never have a quick meal because you have the time to make sure that you have the most nutritional meal mm-hmm. possible. And by the time you clean all that up and then you take a nap and then you go out and you run again and then you do that another meal the same way and then you clean all that up and then it's like, it's well, I'm gonna go to, yeah, I'm going to go to <laughs> sleep. That's, that's. Yeah. Um, do you do most of your running off pavement? Yes. What what are some of the the um, what are you running on? Uh, it's like dirt, gravel. There's a lot of gravel roads, but there's also trails in Mammoth. Um, so I, you know, very fortunate to have access to very different uh, soft surface terrain. Do you run solo or as with with training partner? There's other people in the track club, um, but we also are not quick to force two people to be together Mm -hmm. if their training doesn't line up. Like, you know, a guy who I do a lot of runs with is a marathoner. And so we really don't do a lot of workouts Mm -hmm. together, but we can always, always get an easy run in together if it works out. So here's another one. Um, what's, what's your easy pace? Dude, I, well, first of all, I run for time, so I Mm -hmm. don't ever really want to know, you know, so every day is like, that's not a workout day. It's like a 70 in the morning, 30 in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And I think that on average, I'm probably running seven thirties miles. Nice. If, if, you know, if GPS truly worked or if I got on the track and maybe looked it up. So I, I talked about this with Tyler Andrews as well. And he's, you know, he's running five thirty pace for a 50 K and, and I was like, okay, so what's your, what's your easy? He's like, doing 7:30 to 8. And again, that's another thing that that amateur runners over overdo. It's, you know, if Reed's running 7:30s, we should be running 8:30s or 9s or things like that and and that's a place where you can get into a lot of the overtraining and and overcooking yourself. I think even putting a label on it, right? Right. Like you should just not easy. know. Yeah. yeah, like easy is just how you feel. Like right. if you're going out there and easy is 12 minute miles. Right. So you can have, and like, you know, as long as the days, the workout days are, you're doing what you're wanting to do, mm-hmm. then I don't think it matters. Right. I think it's just time on your feet, your heart and lungs. They don't know the difference. Yeah. They just know a clock. And, and truly allowing easy to be easy, I think is the, right. Think is the point. And how can you allow it if you subconsciously know right. what the pace is? Yeah. That's a good point. Um, what gets you really excited? Uh, I just, uh, self-improvement, I yeah. think is what really gets me going. Like I'll frequently look back at workouts cause we repeat workouts a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing about mammoth. Um, we don't get on the track that much, mm-hmm. but we repeat workout locations and just being able to see like, man, two years ago, I really struggled with this. Yep. I could not run even close to what I'm doing now. And I didn't do that much to get here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the, so do you keep a training log? Yeah, of sorts, yeah. 
do you leave notes about, you know, I, I felt like this or, or things like that, or is it, um, I try to, yeah. um, you know, it's not the most thorough training log, but I'll, I, I'll recap each week mm -hmm. with how I felt the week went. And most of the time I just said, you know, check the box. Like, yeah. This is what we were trying to do. We did it. That's fine. Nice. Do you ever look back on that prior to a race? Um, I guess not too often. I, I only do it when I feel like I'm redoing a workout. Um, and maybe like sometimes if I didn't feel like that went as well as it could, I'll to kind of boost my morale, I'll go back and say, well, you know, it's two minutes faster than yeah. what I did it two years ago. So nice. Um, so what's the, what's the culture like in mammoth? It's the most primed environment to be a successful runner. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel because there are no distractions, nothing, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, those are just days. Yeah. There's no TGIF. There's no reason to even leave your house yeah. besides for running. And I, that's, that's the environment I wanted. Cool. What's, what's the, what's the vibe out there in terms of the people that live there? It's just a ski town. Yeah. <laughs> um, Is it pretty empty in the summer? Oh yeah. Yeah. Very empty. And, and then what's it like in the winter? great for a ski town ski. yeah <laughs> so what do you what do you do when when there's 14 feet of snow on the ground um admittedly i'll leave uh i've gone to phoenix um gone to san diego a few times and i just i always believe that you got to be in the place that's best for or i guess just makes your training as easy as possible mm -hmm. you know if you have that luxury so san diego in the winter that's very easy training. Yep. You know, you can continue doing what you're doing without ever having to think, oh man, what's the weather going to be today? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's 40 feet of snow outside. Oh, 65 how am I gonna, and sunny again. Yeah. How am I going to get this done? So nice. And what's the, what's the relationship you have with your sponsors that allow you to, to continue to do it? Uh, I'm super grateful. I, it's still crazy to me that someone pays me to run. It's, it's, it's super silly. Yeah. Um, and I, I try to do as much as I can for them and always promote them. Um, so if you're listening, go buy some sketchers. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I think that's truly living the dream is when someone pays you to do something that you already love doing. So how does that relationship work? How do you, how do you prove, or maybe not, maybe prove is the wrong word, but how do you ensure that, that that relationship continues? I think, you know, it has to start with performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone kind of this day and age saying is like, oh, you know, just your social media matters. But like, you know, people want to follow people who are winning races. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's going to be number one, like doing your job. And then outside of that, I think you do need to try and uh, speak with people, regular runners and, mm -hmm. and make yourself accessible. Cool. But they're not going to care what you have to say if you're not doing your job well is what i'd like to end that with yeah how do you use social media in in that regard i've noticed you're you're consistent with with how you use it is that is that intentional yeah 100 percent. i um i really don't try i try not to spend that much time on it as a user of social media mm -hmm. i just try to um just make it my avenue to connect with fans um and then I really don't like to spend that much time on it because I, I don't think it's, it's great to just yeah. mindlessly scroll through anything. Yeah. Um, 
but it does give you an access to people all, all over the world. And I think that's very important. Um, and then I'd also don't want to portray an image that's not true. Right. I, that's very common in social media. Um, and I just want people to know that whatever I'm putting out there is authentically me mm -hmm. and that they can't expect anything else or they shouldn't be a fan. Yeah. I mean, it's been cool. I like, you've definitely shared the highs and lows. And I think that's what the, the average runner can, can relate to that. It's not awesome all the time. Yeah. And nothing's awesome all the right. time. <laughs> Otherwise it would get boring. I think maybe like that's what makes cocaine addictive or something. <laughs> Cause every time you're on it, it's awesome. Right. But then obviously the, the repercussions of that yeah. are very severe. So for sure. Yeah, the the ups and downs I think make it not cocaine, but running <laughs> make it make it interesting, right? Yeah, exactly. In anything, right? Like your life shouldn't just be this smooth path. Um, otherwise, you'll never learn. You'll never grow. You'll never have anything to look back on and say like, "Wow, I really got through that." Yeah, and that's the thing that if you're if your running is perfect all the time, you're probably not training hard enough. That's true. Um, I think there's like a quote that talks about, uh, I'd rather go to battle with a person who's made a thousand mistakes once than a person who's never made a mistake. Yeah. Cause when it comes to that time period, when things get rough for them, cause it will happen right. somehow, it'll, I know it'll eventually happen. They're not going to know what to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it was, um, Scott Fobble that was talking about how he was like the fact that like he had little niggles pop up was like reassuring that they were towing the line of peak performance. And that's that, that objective measure of like, okay, now we need to pull back a little bit versus if you have that steady progress, you're potentially missing some, some added, you know, capacity. Yeah. I, you know, I agree. And as long as you're making the right decision, when those things come up, mm -hmm. um, I think that's, that's where you should be. Um, you know, my, my, first few years maybe like year and a half i admittedly didn't push myself i think as hard as i could because i wanted to get to a point where you know i could put together some decent race performances mm -hmm. and build some confidence that way like my first 5k as a pro or not even a pro because i wasn't sponsored but um after college, I ran a 1335, which was like a 13 second PR, but it was super easy mm -hmm. because I was so scared that I was going to blow up. And so, so you held back a little right. bit. Right. And for good reason, because if I don't run that 1335 and I blow up again, cause I try to run a 1320, I'm not sitting here talking to right. you, you know, I'm done. I, I would have quit because it's, it's, you can't take that much disappointment, um, over and over. Yeah. Why did you pick the, the 5k? <laughs> well, I, I tried to run the steeple and it didn't go well. <laughs> um, I didn't really get a chance to practice cause the winter was bad. Yeah. But I opened up at Mount Sac and I ran like nine flat, which is just not good. Yeah. And so it was kind of desperation. I was unsponsored. And it's like, I'm probably going to go be an engineer if I don't make USA's this mm -hmm. year. Cause like, you know, I think that's like the bare minimum you should be able to do as a professional if you want to call this your profession. Right. And so we're like, well, you can go run the five. And I was like, no, no way. I'm, I'm terrible at the 5k. Yeah. And he's like, well, just go out in the back and see what happens. And, you know, I did that and I was like, whoa, this is kind of easy. And it was all of everything I believe in coming into fruition without me even knowing. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
what have you been doing? Well, you've just been kind of training for two years. Yeah. Like not specifically for the 5K, right. but just you've been training and getting, getting in fit. shape. And yeah. all of a sudden, oh, it is easier to handle that that hard part of the 5K. How do you how do you break up the 5K? Um, so what I like to do is definitely sell out for 3K, <laughs> like no matter what. And then like not even... I don't evaluate myself until 3K. Yeah. Like you don't get a choice. You're going to run 3K of this race no matter what. And then I try and go... Um, lap by lap saying you can drop out each lap. And huh. usually I don't. Yeah. For some reason, if I give myself that out, I get out. Yeah, yeah, I get through. Because you have five laps left, right? right? So if each lap you tell yourself, hey, you can drop out after this one, man, but make sure you get through it. And then you get through it and you're like, okay, next one, you can drop out. And then all of a sudden it's like bell lap. You're like, well, I might as well <laughs> finish here. it. Yeah. So I get through sauna the same way. Like get just get to 15 and then you can get out. And yeah. it's like one more minute, yeah. one more minute, one more minute. And it's like five to 10 more minutes. And Okay, I'm I'm here. How does that um how does that change with the the 10k? 8k. I, yeah. I tell myself, yeah, I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you right now if you watch this race tomorrow, I think you can watch it. Yeah, um, it's online. Yeah. But this this won't air until after. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> anyways, you can go back. If and, you've watched it. Yeah. Um I'm going to sell out until 8k. I'm going to tell myself, I don't care what happens, you're going to have a great 8k. A great 8k. And then I hope that I'm fit enough to finish the race at a respectable manner. By the way, Reed is looking amped right now, so I think he's going to have a really good 8K. <laughs> I just, I, I, I just he, think this approach is hilarious, <laughs> but it somehow works for me. Yeah. Because if I don't tell myself that you're going to run 8K no matter what with like the, you know, the, the group, the yeah. group, then at 5K I start feeling sorry for myself. Yep. Like all oh, this hurts. You're not fit all this stuff, you still have 5K to go, man, yep. so far. But I don't give myself an option to feel bad until 8K. Well, it's cool with this one because it's easy after the 8K. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, the This course is really interesting. The The crowds are nuts. And I mean that like in volume and what they're doing. Yeah. Like you'll see people doing keg stands. You'll see, you'll see slip and slides. You'll see it all. I imagine it's like a country concert. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to, yeah. to describe it. A country concert where where the only rule is you cannot be on the road during the pro race. Yeah. Anything else goes. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds like a great environment, honestly. Cool. Yeah. So um, where can we find you on social media? Uh, I believe Instagram is just my name, at R-E-I-D-B-U-C-H-A-N-A-N. Uh, I tried to do that with Twitter too, but someone stole it. So I had, I had to the add real a read. Yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I had to add a 22 to the end of that. Um, and those, those are mainly my two outlets that I try and connect with people. So cool. We'll have an awesome 8k tomorrow and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to see how it goes. Yeah. Great. Thanks for having me. Of course. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.